Friday. There we go. We have contact. Uh, if you saw me laughing up here a while ago, I want to go ahead and just tell you why I was laughing. Had nothing to do with the music whatsoever. Tammy sat sitting there with the kids, and I turned around and I said, Is God okay? And she turns around to look at God to see if he was okay. I had no idea God was even here. And so God reaches up and pats me on the shoulder and goes, Are you okay? <laughs> so I apologize. I lost a little bit. So anyway, guys, glad, I'm glad to have you, buddy. It's good to see you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. There are a number of you today that are visiting us for the first time, and I just want to tell you what a blessing it is to have you with us. Um, if you're looking for a church that's everything is done exactly the way that it should be, you are in the wrong church. <laughs> okay. We are a crazy, possibly motley crew of people that God has brought together, and we have an absolute blast together as a church. And that is just the truth. We truly uh, enjoy one another, love each other. Um, I would like to be able to say that uh, we are a church that um, really tries to to do what we can to make sure that we get along and everything else. So if you're here today for the first time, you're thinking, man, this guy must have a really bad church to preach what he's preaching. The truth is we recognize the need for churches to show community. And my heartbeat for this church is just that. It is community. What does it look like? What does community look like? What does it act like? How does the church live out community? And so we've been focusing on this for um, about a month or so. And if you're looking for a place to belong, that's great. We are a place to belong. But if you're looking for a place that is truly conservative biblically, and we believe that God is all that he says he is in Scripture, and we believe that Jesus is everything that was proclaimed about him in Scripture, and we believe that Jesus died for once for all, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb because he only needed it for a couple of days because on the third day early in the morning he rose. If you're looking for a church that believes that for 40 days Jesus was here after that resurrection and then that 40th day he ascended, and if you're looking for a church that believes that one of these days the trumpet's going to blow and the dead in Christ will rise first and then those that remain will be called up to meet Jesus in the air, well, that's who we are. We are a body of believers who believe the true biblical concept. It is the absolute truth. It is everything that it proclaims itself to be. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jonah was actually swallowed by a big fish. Like that, I, don't, I don't read that and go, how did that happen? Because I know the very God who spoke the world into existence ex needle out of nothing came everything. So a big fish doesn't bother me. Raising people from the dead doesn't bother me. I've never done it. And I've been to lots of funerals. Only person I know of really that was regularly breaking up funerals was Jesus, right? He'd walk in, somebody would be dead, and he's like, oh, hold up. 
As a matter of fact, if y'all remember, at one point, one of them said, well, Lord, he's been there so long, he stinks. And to Jesus, I was like, just get out of here. Roll the tomb back. Roll that, roll that stone back out of the way. And he called Lazarus from the dead. We are who we are. And as you come and you learn, one of the things that we ask that all of us do together is we learn what is Pine Island? What do they believe? What do they stand for? What do they do out in the community? So as we're looking at community, we're looking at who we are, I want us to really focus on Acts chapter 2, the early church, and what it, what it looked like in the early church, and how different it was compared to what we do today, and how desperate we are to go back to that day in the early church. So let's stand together, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all, to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all his people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, we thank you that even though our numbers this morning may not reflect what things have been in the past few weeks and months, I'm thankful for every single person sitting in this room today. So what we ask now, Lord, is that you cover those who are out traveling. You put your amazing grace and touch around them. And Father, we also ask, Lord, this morning that you deal with those hearts that are watching us live via the computer. We ask, God, that you just continue to watch over those of us that are here. Draw us close to you and draw us close to one another. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. This morning, we're going to kind of look at this verse by verse, and we're going to take a few scripture with us along the way, um, but I want us to kind of take a good look at kind of what we're doing here. Um, the first thing I want us to ask is, have you lost your sense of awe? Have you lost your sense of awe? How many of us, when we read that scripture, they all had this awe. There was something about them. There was something taking place. What was happening is they were seeing the amazing grace of Christ every single day lived out in front of them. People were coming to Christ. That They were constantly being saved and constantly being added to the church through baptism. All of these things were happening. And what we saw was, was amazing things happen there early in the church. The same thing that should be happening to us. Folks, what we saw this morning, we should see it every single Sunday, and it shouldn't come from the pastor, but instead, each member living out the call of the gospel, every one of us should be doing one important thing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, letting people know the truth of the gospel. And when we do this, people come to know Christ. Life is changed. 
And we have a sense of awe at Pine Island that we've never had before because every week we're getting to use the baptistry and every week we're getting to do things that are different and every week we're seeing people come to Christ and when we send that person through the baptistry waters, we know that they're going to go to their job and they're going to share, listen, guys, guys, I got saved and, and, and I got baptized and I'm a part of a, of a church and this is what's happening in my life. And then the next thing you know, somebody from their job, somebody from their family, Somebody from the, their, their, their peers gets saved because they see the testimony of the one living it out. This is what was happening in the early church. People were in awe of all that God had done in the life of his people. It was amazing to look at the church. It was amazing to watch what was taking place. And I wonder if we've lost that sense of awe. I think the, part of the reason if we've lost it is because we have never fully grasped and understood the responsibility that we have to be a part of that sense of all. I would not do this because, but I want you to think about it. I'm not going to ask people to raise their hand, but I want you to think, could you raise your hand? But I wonder how many people in this room have ever had the opportunity to actually be a part of leading someone else to Christ. You actually were there. You were able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you saw that person come to know the Lord in a very personal way. They began to walk. Their life was changed. Old things had passed away. Behold, all things had become new. You were a part of that moment. Folks, if you cannot shake, if you cannot raise your hand, there's a reason you don't have that sense of awe when you walk into the doors of a church. Because people, let me tell you, there's nothing greater than seeing people There is no greater joy than being able to put your arm around a new believer and say, brother, sister, I'm so glad that God has called you out of this world and into his glorious light. There's a reason that we don't get excited. There's a reason that 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 sense of awe is lost within the church because people don't understand their own responsibility to bring it to the church. Folks, I'm telling you, every time we see somebody come through these baptistry waters, I always want to know, who was it that brought you to Christ? Who was it that brought you to that place of understanding your need for Jesus? And I imagine as we watch people go through these baptismal waters and you're the person that was able to help lead that person to Christ, there's not a sense of pride, a sense of joy, godly pride, by the way, one that that just gives God glory that you were even able to be used in that situation. But it's got to give you the sense of satisfaction of, of, wow, God was able to use me to do that. We've lost that feeling because we don't take our job serious enough to make sure that these waters are constantly being used every Sunday. A lot of times you'll see children get saved. And then when one child gets saved, another child at home says, Mama, Daddy, I want to be baptized. And a lot of parents are scared to death of that very phrase. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Is your child being moved just because their friend got baptized? Maybe so. But who cares? The question has been asked. The waters are being stirred. 
now is the time that the heart is, is, is attentive to what's being, I don't care if they're three or four years old. They're not going to quite grasp. They're not going to be able to be saved yet, but they're, gonna, they're already having that seed planted. Don't tell that, well, you're too young to understand. No, even you get down on their level, parent, and let them know what happened in the life of that person so that whenever they get older, and they have a better understanding, a better grasp of what's happening. They can come again at maybe six or seven or eight and say, hey, you remember when I asked you about being baptized? I understand now that I must first confess my sin, that I am a sinner, and I must first confess that Jesus is my only hope. My friend, that's salvation. It's not a ooey-gooey feeling we get. Salvation is understanding who you are and whose you need to belong to. Who it is, him, Christ himself, that's who you need to belong to. Should have said whose you need to be, but y'all got it. That was East Texas talking back there. Let's be a part of this all. Second, every day, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Y'all remember that song? Sweetest name I know. Fills my ever longing. Keeps me Yeah, as I go, isn't that beautiful? Verse 44 says, and all the believers were together and had all things in common. You know what they had in common? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know how awesome it would be to be able to come to church and all you ever heard at church was just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Y'all been to those churches, right, where that's not what you hear is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? But instead, what you hear is, well, did you see what she was wearing this morning? That shirt don't go with that skirt. I saw so-and-so this weekend at the restaurant. They didn't even say hi to me. You saw them. They didn't speak to you, but yet you didn't speak to them. You're more sawyer than they are. Jesus, come in the room, Jesus. Leave out the door, Jesus. Go home, Jesus. All the believers were together and had all things in common. Their focus was the gospel of Christ. Church, listen to me. You want to be the right community? Then we must become that community that our focus is the gospel. Our focus is the gospel, not on how bad and how pathetic this world is, but instead giving that sad and pathetic world the gospel. Because Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Folks, if that's the sweetest name you know, don't you want everybody else to know that name? And if we let everybody else know that name, guess what? Next Sunday, we'll have to use this again. And the next Sunday, we'll have to, and there's some in this church going, yeah, but if we do that, we'll grow, and we won't be the same. Oh, isn't that sad? You have to get uncomfortable. Welcome to being a Christian. We discussed this morning that, that the reality of Christianity is this. It is a call to pain. Jesus said, If your eye causes you to sin, put a patch over it. That's not what it says. What does it say? Pluck it out. Folks, I don't know about you, but I've never thought about plucking my eyeball out. 
But Jesus references, listen, if your eye causes you to sin, reach up in there, take your finger and pluck that thing out. If your hand causes you to sin, take it and chop it off. What is Jesus really saying to us? Folks, we've got to learn to be willing to hurt in order for sanctification to have the ability to do its process. I must be willing to let go of stuff that I love. my mind is set on Jesus, I'm willing to suffer. If my mind is set on Jesus, I'm willing to hurt for the process of sanctification. And folks, if you've ever watched somebody suffer while they're still focusing on Jesus, I I know this is going to sound terrible, but there's nothing more beautiful than that. When you see people in the midst of hardship and yet their mind is still set on Christ, is there anything more beautiful than that? Not at all. You know why? Because that is true faith. That is true 100% faith. God, no matter what I've got through this life, you've got me. Next, some of you are going to be shocked by this title, but it'll be okay. You'll be all right. Communism? Right? Let's read verse 45. Let's read verse 45 together. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Well, Brother Tom, that sounds like communism. These people willingly came together and met the needs of one another. That's not communism. That is church. That is church. Let me tell you what church is not. You ready? I'm going to read y'all some things. Hopefully this will make sense. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat. Does that sound like communism? No. It sounds like a biblical principle. Everybody was bringing everything together, but if you didn't have anything to bring to the table, you weren't taking anything away from the table. We have this idea, and it's, it's, it's gotten into the church, that my only job at church is to show up. That is absolute baloney. That is not at all what church should look like. I shouldn't have to do anything other than just be a part. I should just be able to come, and as a matter of fact, when I show up, I should have a seat with my name on it because I sit there every week. Some of you this morning, if you're visiting with us, I just want you to know you're probably sitting in somebody's seat who's not here. (laughs) I am thankful you're sitting there. And if you'll come back next week when they're here, stay right there in that seat. (laughs) Right? Make them come by and look at you like, who are you? Well, I'm the person sitting in your seat, apparently. We have this idea even in the church, that when I have a need, you're just supposed to meet that need. 
No, the Bible says that they came together and they each one met each other's needs. Not once. That's our biggest issue in today's culture. A need and a want. They're not the same. I get it, teenager. I was you once. Even though you say, that was a long time ago. Right? What'd you say, dinosaurs? Really? No, you don't love me. Don't even start. <laughs> dinosaurs. I remember being a teenager. I, I honestly believe that as a teenager, every want that I had was an actual need. Growing up in my house, and I'll help you out on this. Growing up in my house, school would be getting ready to start. And my, my mother listens to my sermons, and she will know that this is absolute true. And she will call me, and she'll probably say something like this. Why did you have to share that story? When I started playing football in junior high, we didn't have a lot of money. School was getting ready to go, and I wanted to play football. Now, most of the kids had football cleats, basketball shoes, Sunday go to church beating shoes, and they also had just regular old everyday wearing shoes. My mother told me, get some comfortable shoes, boy. Because you're going to be wearing them to Sunday. You're going to be wearing them to school. You're going to be wearing them every single day, including football practice. And that's what you wore. Because you didn't have that choice of getting it. And I would go to school, and I'd have my cleats. And, y'all, I would try at first to get up. And I found out that alcohol does not take black marks off of white cleats. All it does is ruin the leather. But I thought in my mind, I had to be like everybody else. You know what? I survived junior high. I survived junior high wearing the same pair of shoes until football season was over. And then I had to get another pair of shoes because by the time football season was over, those shoes were absolutely ate up and no good. But in my mind, I wanted more. So my dad and my mom both would tell me, said, well, then go get a job. I started mowing yards. And can I tell you all something? I started mowing yards. I found out that wants and needs were not the same thing. Because now that was my money being spent on things and not just my parents' money. I had to learn that if I wanted something, I need to also bring something to the table. Biblically, folks, if you want something, what are you going to bring to the table? Don't just put your hand out, but actually do what the Bible says. Genesis 3.19, oh, listen to me. Here's one that a lot of people don't like. By the sweat of your face, you shall, not, uh, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, and from the dark, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. By the sweat of your face. Oh, hold Brother Tom. I don't believe in making my child work. Congratulations, you've just taught your children how to fail in life. If you don't want to teach your child to work, you have taught them how to fail in life, because they're going to be the first ones that are going to have their hand out. And when they get to the real job in the real world and they look at them and say, well, I don't feel good today. I don't want to come in. And that person says, well, you probably won't feel good tomorrow or the next week or the next week either, so don't worry about coming back. And then they're going to be calling mom and daddy. Mom and daddy, I need a place to live. What happened? I don't know. They're not as nice as you are out here in the real world. 
Ephesians 4.28 says, The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather be, he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Folks, there is nothing wrong with helping one another. But do not become a church member who just has your hand out. Bring something to the table. Be willing to work. Work is not a curse. They were working before the curse. Y'all know that, right? They were tending and keeping the garden. These people were not living in communism. They were living in a church where everybody that had a need brought what they had. You remember whenever the people were going by and they were dropping money in the box and the woman would just simply two mites came by and dropped it in and Jesus said that was the, that she gave more than anybody else. That's the idea that we're talking about here. You give what you have and God will take care of the rest. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in all of this. One accord. Verse 46 says, day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. These people were doing a a beautiful job of gathering together. And it says from house to house. You know why? Because they didn't have churches like we have. They didn't have a place to complain about being too cold or too hot or this, that, another, right? So they would gather from house to house to house. So we're not talking about a church like we're thinking of here where we're all gathered up in this place. Some of you have driven 40 miles. Some of you have driven, um, some of us just walked across the street or walked across the yard, right? But all over the place, we're, all, we're just kind of from everywhere. And, and, and they're not thinking this way. Their, their thought process is from house to house to house. They all had one accord. They were all the same. And get this, they weren't different denominations. That was invented by... Well, people like us who had to have things their way. But instead, in the early church, house to house to house, they all preached the same thing, taught the same thing, saw the great miracles, continued in awe of what the Holy Spirit was doing. They were one body, one blood, one people. They were Jewish, probably Samaritan, Gentiles, all gathered up together, praising the Lord. They were of one accord. One of the things we're wanting to do here is start a class for new uh, members so that you'll know who we are and we'll get to know who you are. That way we're all on the same page and we're all doing the same stuff together. You see, as we grow, these are things that we have to be responsible for as a church. Are you where you need to be? Are we doing the things that we've asked, or that we've said we would do as a church? And are you doing the things you've said you would do as a member? Let me ask you a question. If we were to really hold each other accountable, I wonder how many of us would be embarrassed because we don't do what all we're supposed to do as a member. Well, I showed up. Again, that ain't enough. We're supposed to be a part of a body. I remember years ago, whenever you would have a work day here at this church. Now, listen to me. I'm serious about this. You would have a work day. The ladies would be inside working, and there's no shame in this because women, y'all can cook compared to a man. I'm just telling you the truth. You, them ladies would make us some fried chicken. 
We'd all be outside working, doing stuff around the churchyard, doing stuff in the buildings, doing all of these different things. And our church was way smaller than what it is. I'm talking about probably a third of the size of what it is right now. And we would have 20 men show up to work, 15 women working. And in the midst of their work, they would make dinner. They'd make lunch for everybody. We'd all come in and sit down, and we would have a meal. We'd talk about our day, talk about how things were going. We would have a true work day. Nowadays, you call a work day at Pine Island Baptist Church, it's like pulling teeth. And yet we're way larger than what we used to be. What has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. We no longer understand the idea of service and one accord. If there's a need, well, what can I do to help it? How can I fix that? How can I help in that? What happened to that ability to just show up because you wanted to be a part of the body? One of my greatest things about being in those work days early on in this church was getting to know one another. Are we afraid to know each other? I really believe that's a lot of it. Folks, let me tell you something. In order to be one accord, you got to kind of be honest with each other. Here's my struggles. Here's where I'm weak. Here's where I need strength. And then you begin to grow from those who have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. That's why I always tell you at this church, and I mean this, you younger people need to be hanging out with the older people. You need to be hanging out with the older people. Why? Because they have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. They can help you walk through life. So apparently, don't put your head down. I'm talking to you. Apparently, you need to be hanging out with me a little bit more since I'm as old as the dinosaurs. I'm older? Oh, son. Our first visit together is going to be at the barber shop. But anyway, moving on. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, don't start with me. I get the last word, boy. Um, the reality of it is, is that you should be hanging out with older people And older people should be hanging out with younger people. And you say, well, I have nothing in common with those younger people. Yeah, but they need to learn what you already know. The only way for that to happen is to actually be willing to get uncomfortable and hang out together. A good, solid church has a mixture in their age group. One accord. Finally, praising God, favor with men. And attitude daily. Can I tell you what this really is talking about? Becoming an attractive church. Becoming an attractive church. Let's read what it says here. Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who was adding to their number? First of all, let me ask that question. Who was adding? The Lord was. Why was the Lord adding daily? Folks, because they were of one accord. Okay? They were together. They were praising God, and the people recognized the change in their life. When someone recognizes the change in your life, even your enemy has to recognize that something happened to you. They began to say, you know what? I need to start paying attention. Something has happened to this man, to this woman. Their life has been transformed. And all of a sudden, the attractiveness of your life it's like a mall to a flame. People are going to want to know, what are we doing? How much, how much change can I have in my own life? Paul and Karen raised a number of boys who were not their own. 
They have two biological children, but they have a number of different sons. One of the sons' name is Mike. Mike and Velvet. Mike lives in Louisiana. And I love to talk to Mike because Mike didn't always take the easy road. Instead, Mike made some bad decisions and wound up having to pay back his time. And Mike says, listen, whenever you tell me that nobody can change, he said, I don't buy that. He said, because God changed me. While he was serving his time, he actually got involved in a Christian group. And there was a particular man who began to disciple him while he was in prison. And that man's discipleship is what changed Michael's life. You and I have to come to a place where our greatest goal is not to talk about how bad the world is, but instead is to take the light of the gospel to a dying, dark world and letting God draw them to that light so that they, just like Mike, can be changed. When we praise God, and it's an all honest, it is just an honest praise of who God is, we find favor with men, and God adds daily to the church. So, seek Jesus above all things. That's number one. Seek Jesus above all things. Bring something to the table. Don't just have your hand out at church. Don't just come and sit down in the pew and say, well, I've done my part. No, no, no. Brother Tom, here's the gifts that I have. Here's what I have that I can offer to the church. Great. Come home. Come be a part. Love one another. Love one another. You have an issue with somebody in this church, let me tell you the best thing you can do. You can go deal with it. You can go and sit with that person and say, listen, I, I, don't, I don't like the tension between us. I want to get this fixed. I want to love you. And I want you to love me. Because our responsibility is greater to a lost and dying world than it is to be mad about something we don't know what we're mad about. You ever been mad at somebody so long you forgot what you were mad at them about? I know that there are some people in this church, I promise you, they know exactly what time it was you hurt their feelings, right? There are people like that in the world, just the way it works. Well, I remember there was one cloud in the sky. The sun was going down. It was 7.05, and your exact words to me were, but I forgive you, <laughs> That's not how that works. Love one another. And finally, may every single day be filled with praising God. Folks, you got a reason to praise God, right? I always think back to a great woman of the faith, a 
Joni Erickson Tata. If you don't know who she is, you need to look her up. As a young teenager, she dove into a pond and diving in, she hit something like a stump with her head, broke her neck, and has been paralyzed since a teenager from the neck down. Now, this woman could have easily gotten angry with God. Why did you do this to me? But instead, as she grew and matured in her faith, she has become a woman who has said, no matter what God brings you to, he can bring you through. She is still paralyzed. She paints, puts the paintbrush between her teeth, and she paints beautiful pictures. She gets on stage and speaks. She went through breast cancer and everything. I'm just like, let's just keep piling on to her. And she's like, I'm just going to keep trusting God. She met a man who married her. They've been married for quite a few years. He takes care of her. Goes with her where she needs to go. Why? Because she was faithful to God in the midst of her struggle. And God honored that. Seek Jesus above all things. Bring something to the table. Love one another. And praise God, especially when it hurts. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. And we ask, Lord, that we would take a very honest look at ourselves. And, Father, realize the great need that we have to simply come to a place of saying that I am ready to be everything that God has called me to be right here at Pine Island. This is my home. This is my church, my body, my ecclesia. This is where I belong. Father, there are others here who need to come to that realization that they can't belong to a church if they're not saved. They're they're trying hard to do better, but doing better will never get us to a place of being a part of God's people. But instead, it's confessing, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm a wretched sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And we put our faith in Christ at that moment. Father, today, stir our hearts to seek Christ, to bring something to the table, to love one another, and to give God praise. Lord, deal with our hearts today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.